Revivify, design and building pros podcast. Hello and welcome to Revivify podcast. I'm your host, Grace Mace. Today we're speaking with Eric Lin, founder and CEO of Blindwork Development, one of the experts in ADU, which is accessory dwelling units. And we're thrilled to speak with him today. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me, Grace. Oh, yeah. This is exciting. This is exciting for us because here in Los Angeles and California in general, we have a great opportunity to make a difference in the community. ADU is one of the solutions. But before we jump into that, I want to get to know you. But if you might share with our audience, how did you get started? Sure, sure. So the company works as a design build company. The reason behind that primarily is because my background is in architecture. Um, I knew from a fairly young age that I wanted to go into architecture. Uh, I think, you know, being a Chinese American uh, or from a Chinese immigrant background, my parents have always asked, you know, uh, what are you gonna do when you grow up? You know, and as a little kid, that isn't exactly something that I'm prepared to answer. But uh, I was fortunate enough to have witnessed my childhood home go through a transformation and seeing the construction process and being able to read the plans uh, just drew me into this entire world. From, from that point on, I did everything I could to take electives and in high school and now in, and in middle school to really focus on that aspect of the world and just to really understand it. And so I took, you know, in high school electives, I, I took um, so architectural drafting, you know, learn how to letter. Um, no, I still am not very good at it, but, you know, it, it introduced me to this whole new world that wasn't reading, writing, arithmetics. Um, this is something that is uh, completely graphics-based um, and, and it really drew my attention. So I went on, graduated from high school and was, a, uh, was fortunate enough to be accepted into USC for architecture school. And there I've met quite a, you know, most, the majority of the students are, are, are fairly like-minded like me and, and their experiences were very much like mine where they were exposed as well at some point in their life to a remodel uh some sort of construction and and or their parents were architects right and so we we all kind of moved along in that direction and so when i got out of school i naturally gravitated towards an architectural career uh worked in commercial and residential projects majority of my my experience has been in residential work, not only custom design homes, but all the way on to like multifamily, walk-up condo units to uh, ultimately like 300 unit apartment complexes. I've also dabbled in senior housing. And so I have a full breadth of uh, architectural, a residential architectural layout and construction understanding. And unfortunately in 09, for me, that was when the bubble really caught up with me for the residential, uh, in the residential field. I was not able to, you know, recover because there just wasn't any work out there for, for that. However, during my training as an architect, I dealt a lot with sort of the back end stuff. You know, when, when people think about architecture, I think they mostly think about the pretty pictures and drawing and coming up with designs for the homes. Um, a lot of my training as a professional really geared towards sort of the back end, you know, like construction documents. What I like to explain is when you buy IKEA furniture and you look at the pictures and the manuals, that's 
what I did for for contractors from from the architecture side. You know, so I dealt with a lot of contractors. I dealt with well, I was the architectural representative for contractors uh, to the contractors and dealt with uh, their questions and and really kind of understood that world. And so in '09. It just felt like a natural transition for me to move into the construction side, especially in residential. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, have been hired to do a just like a single family. You know, I didn't have any work anyway, so I was just picking up here and there some little stuff. Uh, hired as a con uh, as a, a designer on the project, then hired again just to manage sort of the the, the process. But from there, I really kind of just fell in love with this entire process of, of a holistic design, right? So uh, designing and being able to execute the design and, and, and build. And since that point on, I started my own company. And from that point on, I've really, I've really been able to, uh, fortunate enough to be able to execute on several of my own designs and be able to construct and be able to provide, you know, uh, updated homes for a lot of a lot of my clients and that's so that's awesome. yeah that's really kind of the long and short of it and i just love the story where you start from seventh grade most of most of us seventh grade we still can't figure out how to even doing simple stuff and a little alone figuring out all right here's my path i'm passionate about and let's learn lettering of course i had similar experience and my lettering is by no no way could define as legible most of the times but this is fantastic and how you went through this long, fairly intense experience and training as the back end of the construction or back end of architecture, which focused on construction documentations to bridging the gap with the contractors, oftentimes from the beautiful picture into how really it's going to be constructed is where often gap happens. Um, but you're able to bridge that gap and now seeing the whole thing from beginning to end, owning that experience and providing the service to your clients. Yeah, and I, I think ultimately what I'm doing now really reflected on that initial experience of right. their home remodel, right? Uh, I had nothing to do with the design, right? But there was a set of drawings out there. I read it. Right. And at the time, I, re I recall at the time, the stick framing was up, right? The, the wood framing was up. I walked between the, the two by fours, walked around the space and really could imagine what it might look like in my mind. And maybe that is just kind of how I'm wired. You know, most people are probably very smart in, in math or, or you know, they're, they're really intelligent in, in writing. But for me, it, I, I was just able to catch on to that translation from paper to 3D and be able to visually understand it. And so right now, I mean, I don't really consider myself an architect at all. I mean, I have a general contractor's license and I really kind of consider myself more of a, as a builder. And really what that means is I know uh, how to build it, but I also know how to get that constructed element to actually make sense, right? And not necessarily, I'm not necessarily coming in just as a contractor and just banging nails and putting stuff up, but I actually can express how big certain, you know, what, what the space planning would be. Right. Uh, to have that full experience. So, yeah, so it's not really necessarily... Um, architecture based or general contractor based but it really does what, what i'm currently doing now really does uh feel um 
like this is what I should be doing, you know, the whole construction experience or not whole construction, but the whole beginning to end experience. Right. You found a home really what, from what I've seen so far working with you all these years is that you understand the client and you try to really immerse yourself and understand truly how their lifestyle is like and design to their lifestyle. So it's not just, or you know, design building to their lifestyle that makes sense to them. And not just incorporate, not just looking at lines and drawings on paper, you know, piece of paper, but it's all about how is it fitting the details into their lifestyle that they would enjoy. And I've seen over and over again, the homeowners are just so delighted with the end result you deliver to them. I mean, what you do is deliver happiness. That's all I have to see. And, <laughs> that's a, that's a good is, line. That's a good line. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I do hope that I am able to fulfill um, uh, their dreams for a remodel because, I mean, right. I, I mean, outside of investing in the house, this is really kind of the second largest investment, right, depending on how much work you're putting into. But right. ultimately, you're updating a home. I mean, in, in Southern California, it's going to be hard to find virgin land to build on ultimately you're buying something that is going to be probably 50 years old unless you're buying a new track um and at 50 years old there's you know there's technology that's been updated you know people live differently and so you know um there's a lot of information out there now that people you know have seen and we would like to translate into their homes so i'm happy to be able to provide that for everybody that's um for my clients at the end so that's uh yeah well, I appreciate you saying that. That's uh, that really is the goal, the, the end goal of uh, of this experience. Right? And I've seen you over and over deliver that, and so this is the reason why I'm thrilled to talk to you. So let's just oh, segue to the ADU part. Yes. You over the years helping family, as you mentioned, the homes are old, and yeah. the new lifestyles requires different frame, you know, the system, the home building system to work with their lifestyles. And giving the technology and awareness to sustainable design and net zero house and so forth, how you navigate through the path into ADUs or these addition projects. And actually, before you go on, can you talk about the type of ADU projects that are out there and how have you been successfully helping homeowners achieve those goals? Sure. I mean, I think you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start from the beginning here. Uh, I was able to secure my very first ADU project before ADUs, I think before ADUs were a thing in Southern California. You know, I think it was already popular in Oregon and Vancouver, you know, so some other parts of the country. But I fell into a project um, and it was, essentially it was later on called an ADU, but at the time the client came to me and said, oh, we wanna build a, uh, essentially a granny loft. For my for my aging parents and they owned a piece of land that was zoned r2 but it was too small to be able to build the the actual lot uh, unit per acre and so it was just two units and we were and, and you know at the time the city the municipality had already uh, provided certain size requirements and size limitations to to how big this thing can go and we just worked within that framework and was able to provide a, a, a granny flot. And that year, um, when we were done, right afterwards, you know, there was a universal uh, state law for, for accessory dwelling units. I think it was like 2018. 
And so I was actually fairly lucky in, in, in the sense that I was able to stumble upon a client that really wanted this to happen and they had the land for it and they were zoned for it. And from 2018 on to 2020, I think there were other cities and other restrictions that were overlaid onto what can be considered an ADU, right? So for the most part, I think what the state was trying to do is essentially there are, there are two types. One is a detached unit and the other one is an attached unit. In essence, what the state has tried to create is essentially for every single family resident or every single family lot to become a duplex at one point or another in some way. Uh, and how that's achieved is essentially, if it's attached, it has to be less than 50% of the primary residence. That's how they're considering it as a, as a second unit. Or if it's detached, it's a maximum of 1,200 square feet. In that two years between eight, uh, 2018 and 2020, Different municipalities have fought against having this because obviously it's it's growth that the state wants, but some of the cities uh, that I deal with don't necessarily see that as you know positive for their for their city. So there were overlays uh, put onto it, and so you kind of have to navigate through the through different cities. In 2020, they amended the the whole ADU rule, basically telling these other municipalities you can't do that anymore and really created a uniform base of what you can provide in your on your property so there are two different types there well yeah there are two different types it's called an adu which is the attached uh the detached unit 1200 square feet max and then a junior adu jadu which is i think 400 square foot max but it's attached right and so in essence it turned all single-family residents or single-family lots zoned R1 into a triplex. The issue um, with that is when you do a JADU, which is the attached unit, um, the state's mandating that you have to be owner-occupied on the primary residence. But if you do a detached, you don't. So there's a lot of investor opportunities that people are looking into with this. And what... The area that I'm working in, a lot of people are coming to me for this, mostly because they want to be able to move their in-laws in or their parents in, right? It, it really nicely transitions into a three-generational home, a three-generational property on, on a single family lot, which before 2020 was kind of a difficult thing to do because um, you know, most of the people are thinking, okay, we're just gonna do an addition onto our home, but we really want to have a separate kitchen. And a lot of cities look down upon that because they're like, oh, what's preventing you from renting that out? Mm -hmm. But this rule, the ADU laws made that legal. You can rent it out, that's, that's what they want. Right. So, um, really to address the housing issue here in Los Angeles, there's yes, definitely high and demand really, and low supply. Right. And that really is the, the main idea of not necessarily in Los Angeles, but it, it's a state statewide yes, um, absolutely. Uh, law. So it really wanted to address statewide. And so LA City was very quick to adopt. LA County was very quick to adopt, but different municipalities within that district were, were against it. But now in 2020, it's, it's harder and harder for those municipalities to be to be going against it. So I, I have been getting quite a few calls for, um, for providing ADUs. But I think ultimately the misconception on ADUs is that it's an accessory dwelling unit 
So it should come in fast and it should come in cheap. Right. But the reality is we're, we're going to have to go through and provide plan, uh, plan check sets, be inspected by the city inspector. And in essence, we're essentially providing a ground up either a single or, or a two-story home constructed. And those really can't be done cheap. I mean, that's not, from a life and safety standpoint, that's, that's just not, a, you know, that's not a safe way to go. And it's not allowed. And so, you know, a lot of people are actually very surprised at some of the costs that are coming in. And, you know, I think it is because it, you know, we talked off, off, uh, off camera or off a record before, but it really is kind of a wild, wild west in terms of, in terms of what we can and cannot provide. The state has been able to very narrowly and uniformly provide guidelines to allow us to provide housing on our lot. But it's not that it's, you know, we're we're not just throwing a doghouse in the back or a shed in the back and putting somebody in it. This thing falls on somebody, you know, it's got to be insulated. It's got to be, you know, have the human comforts, right? Um, Running plumbing right and proper uh, ventilation right electrical yeah it's not just like a shed in the back that we're going to throw up for you know i mean it's not a home depot shed for five thousand dollars you just throw in the back and you know stick stick somebody in there it's not it it just doesn't work that way in terms of construction yes it's cheaper than the primary residence because it's smaller but there's still the amenities that need to be included with that, right? So windows and doors, insulation, drywall, electrical, plumbing, that's, that all still needs to be uh, provided. It's just provided at a, a smaller scale than the primary residence. And that's a good question. People may not realize, I mean, often pe- the ADU reference is, a, I mean, often people talk about granny units, some reference as a pool house and so forth. Can you help us to understand the difference between ADUs and other these units that often reference? Sure, sure. Um, so I think the common misconception is that it is just a sort of a um, throwaway building, right? Um, that, sorry, so if I take a step back, the different types of ADUs that can be provided, you know, I, I mentioned the attached unit which is sometimes coming known as a garage conversion, right? So it's a junior ADU, it's a garage conversion uh, or a detached unit. But, you know, I recently finished a project where it was a garage conversion of a detached garage. And, you know, we had to gut that thing out and really make it livable. And we provided a full-size kitchen in there, a full-size bathroom. The wife's mom moved in, right? She's really comfortable in there. There's AC. We have a mini split in there. And she gets to be closer to our uh, grandparents, uh, grandkids, and just kind of be part of the family. But she's in a separate room. We really can't do that with like a like a pool house, right? right. Because you're going to have your mom shower outside in an outdoor shower. Or, you know, how is she going to get sort of basic necessities, you know? Right. So... What is considered an ADU really is to have actually a uh, kitchenette and minimum square footages, right? Uh, if you go beyond, it, it, ultimately it is a place that you have to be, you have to be able to live comfortably. 
Right. right. So there are minimum square footages that are required as an AD. You can't, you know, like, like I said before, you can't just throw a shed out there and put somebody in it because uh, the state is still being able to regulate this and they're going to have to, they're going to be regulating it even very strictly mm -hmm. because they're now allowing for something to happen like this right. and they don't want to be responsible for it to be just kind of run rampant and become something that is not what they had intended. Good. Yeah. And as you, I, mean, I think ADU is a vert now, so even more so, it's definitely a much more versatile or multi-purpose um, for current state yeah. with COVID, all of us staying home, we need a home yeah. office. So it could be converted to a home office or aging in place for your in-laws could be yeah. used for secondary or supplemental income for rentals and whatnot to help families to go through this period of time. So, and it yeah, could also convert, convert into office, home office, or sorry, home gym for many cases, or even, you know, small class, <laughs> classroom for your kids when they study during the daytime, so-called. <laughs> and so that has such an impact to our today, everyday lives now. Yes, I mean, that's true. I mean, I think it started, the, the law started as a reaction to the housing crisis. Right. I, I, you, you said that before. And I agree that the versatility of what you're going to use with this space is, is tremendous. Um, but at the end of the day, what the law is intended to do is essentially be able to provide a, another livable space for, on your lot. Uh, however you wish to use it is, is, is really up to you. So right. the versatility really is, um, is tremendous um, uh, for, for someone like an ADU. And how do you see, for, I mean, as you mentioned, we're still in the wild, wild west. It's fairly new. Where do you see going forward in, let's say, next year or two years from now? What's the trend? Well, I think, you know, these will be a lot more popular. I mean, I think there, we're seeing a lot of them now. Part of the law that's built into uh, providing ADUs is that the city, number one, cannot deny you from having one ADU. Right. And number two, they have to turn it around in 90 days, which means they are really pushing these to come out into the mass public, right? I mean, they're really trying to get them to be produced. And so I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for a lot of different avenues for people, right? From an investor standpoint, I think a lot of people are picking up properties because they feel that they can put an ADU in the back and it becomes income property for them. For single family, I think the excitement is that they are now able to not only bring their parents in, mm -hmm. but maybe if they have older kids that boomerang back, right. it's another unit for them right. uh, where there is a bit of a, you know, independence, but they're still on the same property. Right. Yeah. I mean, the trend is that I think right now the trend most people are thinking is income. Right, because right. it does take money to put into here, into these units, but it really depends. It really depends on the area that the home is in. You know, if right. some people see it as a, if some people want to use it as a home office, they can. Right. Right? It is really perfectly outfitted to be a work, live work kind of um, scenario. Right, you live in the primary residence, you use the back office or this uh, space as your office space. So it's kind of limitless in terms of what you can do because the law has been written so that it's, it's a little bit more relaxed. I think they really 
the state really wants to push this out because from a zoning standpoint, it's very relaxed in terms of building separation from property lines, from buildings. You know, it's it's a lot more relaxed than the building code, which is kind of in conflict, right? right? Um, so you either have to meet one or the other. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited because I, I, I am getting a lot more of these, a lot more calls for them because people are just seeing the opportunities to, to do something, right. you know, to be able to increase their square footage. And I think it's because they don't, you know, the cities can't count it against their existing FAR. Oh, okay. Existing square footage. Mm-hmm. So you can actually add to your house and then do an ADU. Right. Right. Nice. So, okay. yeah, because that, that square footage isn't counted towards your your existing livable square footage. So if you live in a municipality where there is a limit or maximum on your square, yeah, on your square footage. So I think what people are doing is they're adding to the max or adding as far as close to max as they can. And then they're putting an ADU in the back because it doesn't, doesn't ding them. So that makes sense. And to add on to your thought is giving with COVID um, Mm -hmm. nursing home obviously is, is very challenging to manage. And I imagine the trend that we may also see down the road is family will want to keep their elderly parents on the property yeah. instead of sending them to nursing home. And yeah. if so, they can use this ADU unit to support their family, their parents and, yeah. and convert into some more um, aging place arrangement with rails or wider path to get in if potentially needed for wheelchairs. Yeah, yeah, no, I think the marketplace is, is going to change for this. I mean, I don't foresee it replacing nursing homes per se, no, because right. there is a, you know, there's a added level of care. Absolutely. Nursing right. homes. But, you know, the one I, the ADU I just recently finished, it, she was not ambulatory. She can take care of herself, right? So she was able to live in there. And what what she told me is, you know, all the other all of her other friends are now coming over to see her space because now they're, it's, it's kind of, you know, light a fire in there, right. you know, and the ideas of what they can do with their, with their kids garage, right. you know, they, right. they sell, you know, essentially it's, um, it's what a nest egg, right? I mean, in, right. in the past, they sell their primary residence and move into an independent care facility, right. in the community. Uh, and then the grandpa kids come and visit when they can. Now you can kind of be in a situation where you can visit, the, uh, you can li- be living on the same property and see the grandkids more often. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I am being told that there's a lot of interest now from that unit that I did because they are seeing sort of the benefit of having <clears throat> something like this on the, on the property. No, <laughs> so, it makes complete sense, which is right. very much looking at the evolution or how the nucleus family is formed where we still need the additional support other people to help to you know take care of the younger as i think both of us are in the sandwich stage where we have older parents and younger kids and there's that to be all gathered together at times um frequently enough it's really wonderful opportunity and at the same time to have the separation to get their private space at their own leisure that also gives them the the um, flexibility to be engaged you know at the I, I think for i think for for me um from the chinese culture you know right. senior homes is not something that 
was never do that. <laughs> yeah, was never really considered, right? right? But um, I, I think they there is a sense of community, yes. right? In in senior homes, but that's really kind of you know generations and on top generations who live in the same house like three generations home. Right. And kind of take care of each other it's you know right. we're taking a it's a village right it's a village to right. take care of everybody so this definitely opens up the opportunity to to do that not to say right. that all of my clients have been chinese or asian um it's it's not the case uh, i've done adus where uh, they want to have a space for the parents to come visit but not necessarily stay Right. right. Uh, they want to use the space as sort of a flex space for the kids to play in, but not necessarily be in the main main house. Right? Right. So they have a bathroom, whatever. They can fit it out, outfit it as a as a theater, right? right? Oh, yeah. Or have the right. friends, all their kids' friends, come over, but not be in the main house wrecking the furniture or whatever right. they're doing. Right. And it can be a it can double as a pool house if you have a pool. Right. right? It definitely can double as a pool house. Um, but so. There are just so many options. I think this law has been pretty smart in the sense that there it just creates an influx of opportunities for you to really add on to your add on to your um, onto your property, add on to the value of your home without being penalized or go through a laborious planning commission <laughs> or some sort of design review right. if you have that in your in your uh, in your city. That's so awesome. yeah, it, I think it does. Um, it creates a, a great opportunity for everybody to be able to add square footage to their house. So, what would you advise? Let's say a homeowner interested to pursue this. What would you recommend to do? What top top three things they need to start if they're planning? What they should do now? Yeah, it's funny you say you ask because I just got a call for that, <laughs> and I I laid it out. Uh, well, the first thing is you need to hire a competent designer, right? That will be able to help you navigate through <clears throat> navigate through the process. The ADU rule has been, or the law has been set up so that you're you can build as close as four feet to your rear yard and your side yard property if you're brand, building brand new. Okay. If you're taking over a garage, then you know that that rule just goes out the window. So what number one you need to do is essentially have your property surveyed. So you know exactly where your bound, the boundaries of your property is gonna be. Mm -hmm. So you know where to place it, right? Secondly, after a plan has been put forth, really kind of engage the city on their process. You know, uh, I mentioned before, it's a, the, the rule is, the law is that it's a, it's a 90 day turnaround. You can't, uh, you're not allowed to hold this up in any way. And so a lot of cities are, are uh, backlogged in their, in their normal work, quote unquote, normal projects, because they have to kind of push these guys back to address all the ADU projects that are coming through. That makes sense. Right. right. And once you have a design down, then obviously, you know, engage a contractor to, to get estimates and, and, and move forward, but really kind of understand going in what you would like to have in that ADU, right? Um, right? I had spoken with another client. He has a huge backyard and great opportunity, but there's, it's full of trees. But his goal is to be able to house his uh, boomerang kid when she comes back. She's like a music major. 
So the space needs to have a music room for the oh, practice, okay. so hopefully soundproofed, right? right. <laughs> um, amenities, right? Bathrooms and bathrooms and kitchenette or yeah, or a kitchenette. And they still wanted to maintain their garage. So ultimately I said, hey, add on to your garage. Right. You know, you have 1200 square feet. That's a lot of, that's a lot of house. You know, 1200 square feet, you can put a two bedroom and one bath in there with a great room. Actually, no, you can do a lot more than that actually. Um, you know, the, the, that very first uh, ADU I mentioned, it was 650 square feet. We, two, we put two bedrooms and one bathroom and a great room in the front, 600 wow. square feet. And then it was a two story. So it was stacked on top of a three car garage. Right. Mm -hmm. And they got everything they wanted. They wanted a garage. They wanted a, a actual covered parking. Mm -hmm. laundry spaces are in the garage and livable space upstairs and so i mean you could do a lot with 1200 square feet yeah there's there's a lot of opportunity there but you have to you have to do the homework first survey the property and engage a competent designer right well, that's great because just like anything this is their project. if you want to like just like going on a trip you need to kind of map out what you need to do before you start embark the whole process and when Absolutely. you do proper planning then you have a better chance to succeed so right. to arm your knowledge with what's required what's my property line and how what do i want to put in there yes no absolutely because uh many times i go into um client meetings and they'll show me a tile <laughs> that's the color they like right but really i mean that's great i i appreciate the fact that there's a color palette already uh, ready to go in, but we really need to know how much space we can use, right? How, how, what, what the planning is going to be, what, what do you want to achieve? What, what do you really want to get out of, out of this space? Right. Is it a music room? Is it for your, is it for your in-laws? Yeah. So there's a lot of pre-planning involved prior to just jumping into a, a, a project, you know, right. colors and, style is important but it's not it's only a part of what needs to be done um, right. before before the projects start right before you engage yeah right just like you mentioned that if this is truly independent ad unit for a, a musician what things that you need to do how do you acoustically make it soundproof and then versus if it's a unit for that could be also a couple up as a full house that's adjacent to a pool a, a, an actual swimming pool then the requirements are different you need to use the you know the shower or the wet room to be further closer so you're not you know having wet kids treading through the units <laughs> to use right. the restroom no, that's true right that's true i mean it is like you said it's a very versatile space and it right. can be designed that way because ultimately at the end of the day it's you know it's kind of a rectangle right could be mm -hmm. an L shape. It could be a, just a bar, but a lot of that planning does need to be play uh, needs to be thought through, so that we can provide the best for your space. Because not all lots in California or in Southern California are the same, even though they, even though they are <laughs> in a certain sense, but not the home isn't exactly planned uniformly. So right. uh, that has to, yeah that has to be thought through as well. At least the area that I work in, <laughs> I haven't been able to repeat too much uh, from one project to another. So I want to share the, you know, you, you see sort of these uh, TV shows about their big reveal. And, right. 
all that stuff. Unfortunately, I, I'm not really able to experience that because the clients usually live in the house right. that I'm building in. So there's really no big reveal. And, and, and uh, I actually kind of feel bad for some of these clients because they're, you know, it's tiring to be in that, in that mess a lot. But this last AD that I, I finished, I had a big reveal. The client's mom was so thankful and grateful she actually started breaking down. I, yeah, and I, I felt really happy to be able to have provided, you know, I'm very glad to be able to provide that for her. You know, she was mentioning that because we, you know, in, in these ADU, especially garage conversions, we want to try to make it as light and airy as possible. So this project had a vaulted ceiling. We supported the structure wow, to nice. provide a vaulted ceiling. She mentioned that the home that she had lived in for 40 years had vaulted ceilings. You know, the kitchen has enough cabinetry space for all of her priceless china that she's you know accumulated throughout the years no so she just felt like it, it just was an extension of her old home and so i was very happy to be able to provide that for her and it really just kind of validates kind of the work that i'm doing you know it's not just not clocking in day by day after day but you know i am providing a an environment i'm providing a home for yeah. for these people so yeah, that was a very heartwarming um, uh, experience. I don't, I don't I always experience that <laughs> because of the circumstances, but right. it really touched my heart. That, uh, yeah, and then I, it's, thank you for sharing. Story. That's a beautiful yeah. story because you're helping her to create the next chapter of her life, which is yes. probably not something she imagined could be this wonderful and pleasant. And creating that space where she can share with her family, her grandkids, but at the same time have the absolute freedom of living on her own. Yeah, yeah. No, we, you know, going in, we're, we're always thinking about the latest tech and technology. So we wired the house up with uh, Cat6. You know, she can plug in uh, servers or have speakers everywhere. Well, I walk in uh, after she moved in and she's got the old boom box with the FM AM <laughs> turned up. Acoustics was great in there because it's you know, like a 600 square foot double vaulted That's ceiling, awesome. right. double story vaulted ceiling. So it's just bouncing off the walls, but it's you all can coming out in this there. Little, yeah, it's all coming out of this old boom box and right. it's old, but it's not, it's not worthless. It still works. It's great. Yeah, no. So she was really kind of enjoying, you know, she was enjoying her time there. So it's That's great. awesome. That's such a heartwarming story. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a special project. Yeah, well, I think for right for most of us who pursue the residential, it's really those special moments. And I think all of us being trained in the field of architecture and what through their learning design learning process, we learn about a lot about commercial buildings, which are great. But I think there is something specially unique for residential because it touched people in a different way. It's very personal. Uh, I mean, I found through all the times and all the different projects, it really is a very personal endeavor, right? right? And so um, I can probably talk about space planning and layout (laughs) until the moon cow comes home. But really, at the end of the day, it really is just the, the personal touches and the emotional draw to certain you know certain areas of the home how how it's presented and how they see their kids growing up in it or how right. it's going to be uh used and so it's yeah that's not something that we see in commercial projects or in institutional projects right it, it really is a very special space that we're in yeah 
Well, I've known you for a few years now. And like I said, every project you engage, you know, allow me to be part of it, part of the journey. And I consistently seeing the sensitivity of you with your clients. Each client is different and you interpret their life, their stories in a such a unique way. And what you present is not so much a design of yours, but it's a design of theirs. You use their lens and create those space that just wow them over and over again. And I know people, the clients come through us and they're like, they really enjoy working with you. And not only your great match personality, you have the temperament helping them to understand, educating them where they feel empowered to make the right decision. Yeah, I don't really see this as uh, a design for my house. It is really, I'm really trying to facilitate and execute a vision of their home. And so that really is the, uh, the goal when I go in to every project to be able to help them and guide them to that end product that they can really, really be, pro be proud of. Because yeah, at the end of the day, it's their home, it's not mine. Right, and I, every time I visit, after the project's done and when I visit those job projects, and it's a jaw-dropping because they're so stunning and beautifully designed, beautifully executed. And every, <laughs> just say every single project, I want to move in it. <laughs> Me too. All different. <laughs> <laughs> Me <fantastic>. too, actually. <laughs> no, well, thank you. No, I appreciate that. Well, Eric, it's been such a great pleasure speaking with you. It's definitely been my honor to work with you. Uh, I learned a lot from you over the years, and thank you for taking the time to continue to educate me and educate our audience. And when people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? I think uh, the best way to contact me is to go through my website, which is uh, lineworkdevelopment.com. Uh, from there, uh, they can see the products that I provide. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're not fit and that's okay. But uh, you can go through and uh, really find the, the products. And I think a lot of that, those projects are reflected on Bayrap as well, right? It's mirrored onto Bayrap. You can either reach me through my about page or you can select the Bayrap tab on my website and invite me through there as well. So there's, there's different, you know, there's definitely different avenues to, to reach me. I recommend really just kind of doing research and, and looking at the, the end product, you know, essentially the portfolio that I have of the project, projects I've been doing. I've able been to be able to uh, provide for these clients. But um, Grace, I want to thank you for inviting me on and doing a podcast. I've never done one before, so. Well, thank you for letting <laughs> this us exciting, about. This is exciting. Well, the way we look at it is if, Anything we can do to support you, for you to be successful, you will be able to elevate the industry and in helping many homeowners to achieve those dreams. And that is special. And that's what we want. Yeah, well, no, absolutely. Thank you so much, Eric. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Revivify Podcast, where we speak with Eric Lin, founder and CEO of Linework Development. And we're thrilled to learn so much about ADUs and the path of gain there. And I think more so, we definitely want to do more. So as you can tell, it's very possible. It's not that hard to do. And this is something we collectively as a community, we can do better. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Brought to you by Bayrap.